I'm Douglas Brush, and you're listening to Cybersecurity Interviews. Cybersecurity Interviews is the weekly podcast dedicated to digging into the minds of the influencers, thought leaders, and individuals who shape the cybersecurity industry. I discover what motivates them, explore their journey in cybersecurity, and discuss where they think the industry is going. The show lets listeners learn from the experts' stories and hear their opinions on what works and doesn't in cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of Cybersecurity Interviews. In this episode, we're speaking with Danny Akotsky. Danny is a storyteller perpetually looking for a stage. He loves nothing more than being able to attend conferences, give talks, write blogs, and find new ways to reach as many people as he can to educate about security. For him, there is no greater satisfaction than community building. Danny has been fortunate enough to spend his career in defense, learning from some of the best in the business, including teams at Mandiant, GE Capital, and most recently, as a technology advocate with Splunk. He loves what he does with the people he gets to do it with. In this episode, we discuss his mental health journey, adjusting to a new role during COVID-19, finding outlets for stress release, if mental health issues are worse in cybersecurity, neurodiversity, PTSD, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Well, Danny, thanks for joining me on Cybersecurity Interviews. How are you today? I'm wonderful, man. We are recording this on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It is a Saturday. Are, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, well, although no, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what kind of like, uh, like radio magic that you do of like, you try to make it look like it's live. Like, Oh, did I mess it up already? Oh God. No, no, I, I, I'm not that sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, especially as we're going to talk about mental health and stress, like that's the last thing I need is, is more complexity on my plate to try to <laughs> fake it till I make it. But no, it's uh yeah. Thanks. It's Saturday. Although, you know, who knows at this point in the, in the middle of COVID, but you know, how are you adjusting? Yeah to a new work role in the middle, middle of COVID with a family and everything else that's going on. Dude, you know what? It's, it's, uh, it's actually the least stressful thing. Uh, so I, I remember back in like March and April and May of 2020. Um, as you know, I also do a, a, a podcasty type thing. I do it on Twitch and I oh, did a don't, show don't about- not, Don't not plug it, plug it. <laughs> it be a-, be a be a plug attention seeker uh yeah it's called uh second order chaos um it's my own uh stream that i do on uh on twitch twitch.tv slash 2oc stream and uh, i've been doing that for a couple of years now and i do a lot of interviews uh dude uh, you know it could be hacker stuff it could be um, industry stuff. It could be mental health stuff like you're doing right now, which, which is, which is always really awesome when other people do it too. Um, and I had on, uh, who do I have on? I had on Bryson Bort, um, um, Keith McCannon from Red Canary, uh, Dave Kennedy from Trusted Sec. All, and, all awful and, people. Oh my God. Yeah. Awful people. And, and that's that horrible human being, John Strand. He was, <sighs> uh, um, and I, I, I wanted to have, some uh like how they were handling you know they're not large enterprises you know these things like binary defense and trust and so and things like that um but how are small to medium businesses like that uh handling this and then also what were their expertise what was their um uh, uh advice to people who might have been in the middle right in the middle of accepting offers in the middle of interviewing places um maybe those places had 
people moving and now they don't like how stressful that is. I would never have done this that early. <laughs> but now it seems like it's it's kind of leveling out. I think the whole remote thing is some people who might have, you know, talked down on it before are like, oh, well, that was easy. So actually changing jobs wasn't really all that stressful now. Um, but uh, ad- ad- admittedly, I waited till the proverbial coast was clear. Uh, but no, it's, 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 it's been good. It's been good. Luckily I've always been remote. I've been remote for at least the past eight years, yeah. uh, with, with the exception of two stints at, at larger enterprises. Um, so that's not been, it's not been a thing, man. I'm good. It's a well, long, you get long winded answers from me. No, that's, that's I'm the same way. That's why everything. I think we, we connected so well on this because <laughs> not just it's the topic true, areas. Yeah. No, no, it's true. Like I, I can schedule 30 minutes with Doug. Uh, because I always make my meetings 30 minutes. I don't want to, like, I hate meetings. If we can't get it done 30 minutes, then, like, maybe, like, write a letter. I, yeah. I don't know. However. I'm, sa- so I'm the same way. I say no meeting should go over 30 yeah. minutes. But 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 it's not a hard, it's not a hard stop. So ours end up being, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, you know, an hour that's true. Like, you know, you ask, you have a hard stop? No, you keep talking. I keep talking. Well, you know, it's funny. You know, two, two things that came out that's funny that they're very, again, very serendipitous of us getting to know each other over the past year. But so I think Keith at Red Canary was the last person in our industry that I had an in-person beer with um, probably back in, I want to say February or March because we were both in Denver. So we, we just caught up right, you know, right down the a couple down floors down from his offices. We're like, oh, let's catch up, have a beer. We haven't seen each other in a while. I was like, cool, man. I'll hopefully see, let's catch up again next month. And, you know, a year later, yeah. <laughs> we only see each other on Slack and things. But, uh, yeah, it's been very difficult. But on that, too, um, you know, that, you know, when you talk about the hiring part, that was actually extremely stressful for me because I was not out necessarily looking for a new job. In full disclosure, we both both work as security advocacy at some form or another at Splunk. Uh, but when I started my discussions with Splunk, Splunk, you know, it was just kind of a casual, hey, you know, if you're interested kind of thing. And we built up a rapport and I talked to everybody from January to March to March 12th. I was supposed to get my offer leather. And yeah. the next day and it then- came around and I was like, hey, guys, what's going on? They're like, you're not going to believe this. We're in a hiring freeze. But... And I'm like, oh, I didn't resign from the other job. Uh, right. <laughs> and I was like, I walked into my wife. I was like, oh, my God, that was a close call. And because it was on a Friday, I was going to sit there. And that Friday, I was going to tell my manager, who I, I'm really good friends with my old job. I was like, hey, man, look, don't want to leave, but here's this thing. And uh, sure enough, they were like, hey, don't do anything yet. And it took another three months of kind of being in that limbo zone and not knowing and not wanting to start new initiatives at the new thing while the world melted down and not knowing where this was going to go. But luckily, you know, yeah, it was a long three months until I got onboarded and really got the final offer or the real offer again at Splunk. And it was, uh, it's been an interesting year for sure. Yeah. There were, there are friends of mine I know who were actively in the middle of doing this and then just stopped. It's like they had gotten an offer and they said, well, I'm not going to take it now. I'm, I'm just going to wait. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know if their situations that they were leaving were, like, untenable or if, if it was, uh, you know, very important that they leave. It might just been, like, your casual, like, ah, it's been three years, I'm out of here. Um, but, yeah, super, super stressful. Like, and that's just more things to pile on top. I, I feel like it's kind of like popping things off the stack, right? Like, the most recent thing goes, like, off and, and goes on the bottom. And then all of a sudden, we hear about the, we hear about the virus 
that and then that pops off the stack but it becomes the bottom of it and it becomes the base for everything and then stuff just piles on top of that except you don't know what the base looks like you don't know what it's made of you don't know how sturdy it is how much stuff can i pile on top mm-hmm. of this base is it a base of pillows or is it concrete you know that's how kind of how i think about it in my head so it, there there was such uncertainty about it and it was just one more thing um, you know, I luckily, uh, as you mentioned, you and I both work at Splunk. I come from a company called Gigamon, um, and I will always, I, I left on very good terms. It was just kind of time to go. Splunk was just too good to say no to. Um, but they were very, very good about this whole thing. Like talk about the whole mental health and like, we all need help, right? Like in, in, in uncertainty, at least you have your person who is uh, you know who's signing your checks and your livelihood saying you're okay like we are not doing anything right now as a matter of fact you have unlimited vacation you have unlimited uh mental health gigamon did things like everybody take off on friday if if you can if you can push things nobody come to work just go and 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 just recharge and they did things like that all the time. That's that's a bit. Yeah, I was again same thing. Like I left on extremely good terms uh, with my last organization, uh, the kind of management leadership there. I they brought me in to help kind of build an IR practice. And you know, for any any folks that have done IR, it's it's stressful. Like you're you're oh, especially end of the days, you're just waiting for that phone call for your night to be ruined, and it's you never know <laughs> when that shoe's going to drop. Um, but we really had to adjust um, our expectations both internally and with our customers and clients to say, hey, look. There's going to be more noise in the background when there's Zoom calls. Um, people are going to be slow to respond. You know, people are just cats everywhere. Yeah, it's just kids walking. And I, I remember, like, the, you know, you know, we're now at that phase of it when you're on calls where people get very anxious, like, oh, I'm so sorry, my kid's screaming in the background. Where now you just don't even notice it, or you know, a wife, dog, like, people just walk into your your background, and it's we become we realize I think <laughs> how little that shit really mattered in the end of the day. But we were also worried about of like almost showing this vulnerability to our lives. Of like we're humans in the end of the day there's almost a weird benefit to all this when we're like oh yeah we're all kind of just humans getting up Mm -hmm. in the morning trying to make it to the end of the day without without screaming at somebody i i i know that there was a sentiment so i know uh for anybody who's ever been remote like we're all very used to it some of us love it some of us like just have remote jobs and don't necessarily like it so we seek out things like uh shared workspaces and things like that i do know if there is a silver lining to any of this, it's that some people who work remote feel as though, not that they don't matter, but they are background to the actual players who might be in the boardroom during a meeting or might be in the meeting room during a meeting. And now I think, hopefully it doesn't get forgotten if people are going back to offices. I mean, I don't see it happening this year, probably next year um, as all the vaccines get, get shake out. But like knowing and this has, and it's not just that this thing happened and now it's forgotten. It had such a profound effect on the entire world. People, I think, will now take remote a lot more seriously. You won't just be a background person. Your your opinion will matter, I think, more now because we all went through it. So if there was a silver lining, it is that those people who used to feel as like background noise 
hopefully will no longer feel or be treated like that. Yeah, it's it, it's almost a, a leveling of the play, playing field that one hopes mm-hmm. stays stays there. You know, and with all this too, what are, what are some of the things you you have been doing over the past year as far as coping skills and? Oh my god! You know, and let me ask you this. Actually, it's kind of a two part question. Did you have some of those skills, or did you have to develop new skills, or just prior skills because you're in a new situation? So. I always have, I, 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 every time this is like one, one of the, the big job interview questions, like, how, like, what do you do to unwind? And everybody thinks it's a cop out when they think, oh, I study like security stuff or hacker stuff, but it's literally, that's literally what I did. Like yeah. if, if I was not working because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a hacker and, and that's what I get paid to do. So that's what I do in my free time. However, uh, now it's like, it's just not quite enough. And especially when the work slows down and everybody's, everybody's slowing down and then you want to get your mind off of those things. Now Um, I picked up several things. I am now a not too bad woodworker. Uh, uh, The desk I'm currently talking to you from, it is a large 90 by 80 wood, uh, wood shaped desk uh, with staggered corners. And it it is a farmhouse type desk. I built that. I stained it. I burned it. I did all that stuff. Uh, uh, shout out to my friend Dave Corsi for being my uh, teacher. Every time I would like message him, going, "Did I screw this up?" Um, so woodworking, uh, uh, landscaping, and yard work. My yard looks amazing. Uh, I built a fire. The very first thing was I did was I built a fire pit. Now I didn't just go to Home Depot and buy a fire pit. I, a I went to Lowe's because that's my favorite. I did get a like a cheap fire pit because I was like, "Ah, we're gonna be." Yeah, I got mine at know. Lowe's too. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But then I, but then I brought it and I put it together. I was like, well, and I have a lot of shade in my yard, right? So like not a lot of grass grows, so I can make stuff and not have to destroy grass. I was like, oh, I have a, the the old owners of my house that I bought three years ago have a lot of like landscaping rocks and bo- like stuff around. So I made a I made a circle and I put it in the middle. And I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't look quite right. So then I had some paver bricks put it on top of the paver bricks. I was like, ah, oh, they're not really big enough. And then I went and got white stone. This fire pit suddenly grew. Uh, exponentially in scope so between that um i i have a thing uh this isn't a video one but i now have a thing uh of, of fountain pens that i start collecting uh practicing penmanship because what the hell else am i gonna do um yeah i have a ton of other interests now that and for for the, for the very simple reason about day three and this is when pennsylvania was like no more like nobody go anywhere you know, not non-essentials, the whole thing, the, the whip or the wall really came down on it. I, I was up, my, my wife had worked from home and she was working and I was laying on the couch and I hadn't done anything all day. I was in the same pajamas for two days straight with my son watching cartoons. And I said, if I have another day of this, I'm going to walk into traffic. I, I cannot be this way anymore. So I made it a conscious effort to do more um, one of the, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from Jack Daniel, and, uh, he does a lot of work with, uh, with mental health and burnout, um, is sometimes the answer to burnout is taking on more work as long as it's work worth doing. Right. So not, it, it, we think of work as something we get paid for. I took on more hobbies. Um, and now I have an entire wood shop. I have a barn. We have a 200 year old house. I have a barn and turn into a wood shop and, um, now I can build things when my son's bed broke. I, I built a new platform underneath it. I repainted literally the entire house. I seeked things out 
uh, in, including some not so healthy things. I have a lot of healthy things, but not so healthy also. Yeah, and I think that's that's where I th- I've been trying to be gentler with myself around that too, because it's sometimes it's like, and we were, we were joking about this work the other day. It's like, you know, how many days without having a cocktail? And, you know, I'm like, this is going to be my dry month. And then, you know, I'm, I'm oh. right, we're at the last week of January. I'm like, okay, I'm going to restart in February. And I, I do this every month now. And it's not like it was getting excessive, but it's like, you know, just extra weight, a little slow, groggy in the morning. Whereas, you know, if I get up at 5am and I go work out, it's just like different mindset. But I, I, I've learned, I think, to be a little bit forgiving on myself on that. It's like, look, a yes. couple days. It doesn't have to be perfect. D- you know, done is better than perfect. And if you're you're getting a couple days in there of healthy stuff, and I, I've been really hardcore mountain biking. I, again, I've lived in Colorado now for four years. Big part of me moving out here from the East Coast was to get into the mountains, see things. Yeah. And for the first couple of years, I didn't. I was always traveling. I was always working. And I made it a point this past summer. And I saw more... national parks, state parks, I've been all over and just the the absolute beauty of where I live. I really got to appreciate it. And, and, you know, it was almost in a weird way. I almost got burnt out out of it by the end because it was, it was almost too much. It was diminishing returns. So I had to like kind of start spacing it out. So they had to, it's, it's finding that balance I found was really difficult. Um, in the past year, because it's, it's, I'm a very all or nothing person and Same. you know when you have this much white space in your life, it's it's really hard to build that structure. Yeah, so I I will be the absolute first to admit it, of that from March until January second of this year, I did not go more than four days uh, sober. Um, maybe it wasn't all out blackout drunk or whatever. Yeah, and it and it wasn't. Like, I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm, I'm about to say two very, conflict, um, two very conflicting things, not more than four days sober, but I'm also not an alcoholic. I was just bored. Yeah. Um, and, and of course in the very beginning, luckily, which is the thing I hope we don't lose. We had a bunch of zooms with all of our friends and, uh, I have so many different subsect of people that I, I talk to and we had that. So, um, it was not funny enough. This is how nature works for me. Uh, from March to January, I just did that and I ate whatever and I put on 50 pounds and which sucks is at March of last year, I was, uh, I was actually down like 40 cause I had done really good in the first few months of the year and then all came back. <laughs> um, but January 2nd, I caught COVID. So I got sick on, I, and I got the, the, I got the test back on January 3rd and I was wiped out. It was almost as if it had, it took COVID to get me to stop, to get me to slow down, to get me to rest. Cause I did a bunch of things. I would stay up till three o'clock in the morning. Cause that's when like some of my friends in California were up and, and, and you know, in Scotland and, 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 and things like that. Uh, um, UK and I get to talk to people I don't normally talk to, but it floored me. And then I, I luckily had hired a nutritionist uh, like right in December like concentrating on calories and I and it's all, all, that's, that's all I could keep keep my mind on I was in bed I was floored and I was like am I gonna die I don't, I don't know I'm you know it depends what the news tells you but now it's January 23rd and I feel the best that I felt in two years mm. um, I'm down 20 pounds already I walk every single day I get at least 10,000 steps a day. I work out every other day. I haven't had a drop to drink in three weeks, over three weeks. So it's funny how that works. The focus of the thing that caused all of this was actually what got me to turn around at the beginning of this year. So 
yeah, it's it is very easy to say all bets were off and and now you know don't beat yourself up. Everybody was like this, but then when the world starts opening and it will start opening, you're gonna have to deal with what with what happened. And then do you spiral? Do you give up and do you go worse? Or do you say today I'm 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 gonna start something, whether it's something better? Um, I highly recommend. There's a book that I I've been listening to um, called um owning the day i think by aubrey marcus um and it's amazing i'm I'm about to re-listen to it again and that's really helped too so yes beating yourself up over the things that everybody was doing the same way um and now i'm kind of starting to wrap my head around how to how to reverse it yeah in the same boat you know because eventually you know you and i are probably going to end up <laughs> on the road eventually and, and yeah. probably speaking at the same conferences back to back or in different talk tracks. But, you know, it's, it's when you start getting out and when, you know, sweatpants are, uh, are, are no longer optional and you have to start What's wearing- the worst <laughs> outfit. What's the worst outfit that you went out of the house with during 2020? Oh gosh. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, that was also you know part of it where I decided, you know, I'm gonna and I'm going to lose the corporate thing because not only dealing with mental health, I decided me double downing on the what looks like success, the mm-hmm. cis straight white able bodied male with the suit is a fallacy of success. So I, I want to, I'm like, look, I'm a hardcore and punk kid. I like nineties rap and hardcore, like, and, and punk, like why not just embrace it? Let that be. So I, you know, finally got that, the, the blue Mohawk back and, you know, kind of started going with that and just started wearing more of me and represented more of like the band shirts and things. And so it wasn't the weird, it was weird in the way because it was, it was forcing me to be more honest with myself in a way, become, you know, less guarded, you know, whereas yeah. I would always be, you know, I have my, you know, my slim fitting Euro cut suits and shirts that will not fit me right now Ooh. without bulging, bulging <laughs> buttons. And, uh, you know, I want to wear that stuff again. I like that aesthetic and looking good at, it, but it was, it was, I'm not going to hold it to that standard anymore. Yeah. And again, that, that is a feeling that I get, uh, across all of humanity right now. Cause like I could go anywhere and nobody is going to question the fact that I am literally out in flip flops and, uh, 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 you know, workout shorts and like a long coat. I haven't shaved for four days. Yeah. Everybody looks like that. Like that was kind of the nice part. Yeah. I, I totally stopped caring. Cause you know, luckily everybody stopped caring. So, um, and, but now I, I don't necessarily have, that same thing that you did, right? Like what's, what's the picture of success and like, what, what should I be out there? Like, Oh, I have to go grocery shopping. So, Oh, gotta go take a shower and get shaved. And I'm like, oh man, like I, I, I just like you, I mean, I, I was a little metal kid, right. I was a little skater. So um, I also went back to my hairstyle. I'm currently rocking my, my blue hair. And, yeah. and now I'm, I'm going to keep it like this. I'm, I'm going to change colors. And because Life's too short for that stuff. It really um, is. It's, it's been kind of this weird cathartic. I mean, this, you know, you add in the election thing and what I find, you know, it's funny. We're all, we're probably all as of this is Saturday, the 23rd by tomorrow, the 24th, by the time this airs on Monday, we'll probably have put some of the Bernie memes in our, our rear view mirror. It was a time, <laughs> but I, I think what I've, what I discovered, I really thought about this morning. There was a cathartic, almost group moment of it where a lot of our memes over the past couple you know, say six, seven months were COVID related. They were about the, 
that the politics, everything was very dark background mm-hmm. themes of our humor. And it was so silly and so goofy, this whole Bernie thing, that there was a collective giddiness that was cathartic and giggly about it. We were all just laughing about something that didn't have the gravity of what, what we've all been dealing with for the last year. And it was so incredibly refreshing. Yeah. 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 It, it, it was. And, you know. The bar is admittedly very, very low yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of politics, but that's fine. Um, it, it, it is nice to not have to shoulder some of that. And, and again, not everybody feels the same. Some people might be more worried now or whatever. That's fine. But for a vast many of us, it is one less thing. Like, I mean, I, I, talking, about, talking about the whole mental health thing, I've had a therapist that I've gone to for years now. And one of my last sessions with her, she's since moved to Florida because she's smart. Um uh, and uh, and she, she, she's retired down there. Uh, I said one of our last sessions, I was like, I have come to a damn near crisis point of worrying about this, about worrying about the political landscape, about what's next, about these people yeah. and about these things. And 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 and, and I and then that was lifted at least. Not a, it's politics has never lifted a thousand percent of off of burden, but it's coming pretty close. So, and people might, I certainly second guess myself of like, am I, am I overthinking this? Am I, am I putting too much stock in? It? Am I putting too much of myself in it? Isn't this silly? And it's not. It's not silly at all because now I think we finally see the ramifications of what happens when people don't care or when they care the wrong way or things like that. So. I think now people will be paying much closer attention. Um, I, I think now there is some security in that people will understand more. I know more about the like electoral college than I ever cared to know, but now I know, I know every step. There was steps that I didn't even know about. So knowing as GI Joe once said is half the battle. It is. Uh, so um, there is a mental piece, I think in that for some people, I know there's definitely some mental piece in it for me. Yeah. And I think part of it was, um, and where, you know, some of my, you know, issues with things in, in mental health have been what drives my anxiety and depression at times can be around controlling. I'm a very controlling that, you know, when I, when I gave the talk about my mental health journey and that I've been kind of the talk track I'm giving now, but I first started Wild West Hacking Fest was, you know, this idea that I'm brought in like the wolf from Pulp Fiction. It's there's a dead body in the garage. The wife's coming home in a half an hour and we need to get rid of the body. What are you going to do? And I'm, I'm that guy that gets brought in to tell people what to do and, and to have that level of pressure and control things. And I, I really felt um, out of una, unable to control powerless was kind of the word that I've, I've really discovered over the past couple of days. It's really saying like reflective. It's really that feeling of powerless of unable to change a situation was more taxing on my mental health than I realized until recently. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I have always felt relatively uh, powerless when it comes to, 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 to politics and, and things like that. People making decisions far outside my sphere of influence. And then, but that's, you know, then you get used to it you get placated and you're like, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's why you vote, blah, 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 blah. And now I am empowered at a very deep level of like, well, you can actually change this at your own state level. I, I don't know if it's going to go particularly anywhere, but I got, uh, I, I got a message from one of the local 
uh, uh, political campaigns around here and they're looking for people to run for very local city office. And I'm like, I don't know, what do you got? Like, yeah. who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I would have never have thought of that before. But now that I know the, the that thing, I can I can exert some small measure of power over that. Uh, uh, and it might not be as, as small as I make it out to be. So no, yeah, that's, uh, the, the, there are things that we can all take out of this once we're all sober enough to realize. <laughs> well, okay. Stepping back, even looking back on your, your journey with mental health, where did it really kind of start for you? And what was kind Oof. of a tipping point for getting, uh, maybe start talking about it. Um, but also oh, start, recognizing, exactly. yeah, start, but also start maybe self-recognizing it. Oh yeah, I, I tell you exactly. Um, uh, I've been screwed up for years, um, but didn't know it, right? Like, yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, welcome to the club. Um, you know, I had always handled things a very certain way. If, if I was feeling a certain way, if I was stressed or whatever, my go-to back when my metabolism could handle it, uh, well, I would go and you know go get a six-pack, and I'd get the largest carry-out Chinese I could find, and then all of a sudden, it all was right with the world. And then the metabolism changed right when I hit 30. And uh, no, no, I'm sorry, right when I hit 21. Hit 21 and you hit you hit the giant wall and you're like, why isn't it going away? So that eventually kind of like built and built and built until it was a problem. And I was like, okay, now I'm getting older. Now I'm, I, have a, I have a kid and, and I'm married and all of a sudden I'm, I'm staring over the hill at 40. And I'm like, I, this is, I don't know. I don't know what to do. So the actual literal turning point, and that's me looking back in hindsight as to like what mm -hmm. my mindset was like, but my turning point of I need to, A, I have to do something and B, I'm not going to do it alone. So I'm going to take some other people with me um, was after DEF CON 24. DEF CON 24 was my very, very first DEF CON ever. Um, fast forward, I am now on staff and I do all kinds of stuff with them. But 24 is my first DEF CON and I came home and I think like a lot of us who are, who are in that like kind of con ecosystem and really among the hackers, when you don't see your friends again, uh, you get what we call the con blues. You get home, you get really yeah. sad about it. But I got really, really sad. And then other things were compounding it. And I was like, um, I had just gotten out of a job. Um, at, uh, <laughs> this is one of the worst jobs I ever had. It might be the worst one where it was awful management, it was awful leadership. I, I have said many, many times how many times I had got done with a meeting with a certain manager and just sat down in the shower and literally cried because it was that bad. I was like, can't handle it anymore. But I also know that I'm not going to go through it alone. So that day I started uh, not journaling, but keeping track um, and looking into therapy, looking into, into what it takes, what kind of therapy, meds, no meds, uh, you know, psychiatrist therapy and doing all this. But I also formed, um, I, I've since handed it off, and there are people who do it better than I did now, like um, Amanda Berlin, but I formed a thing called um, InfoSanity. Uh, it was a website I created. I created a Slack room for people, and I got people's mental health stories. They could come into the Slack, and they could talk to, to other like-minded people, and that's how I started. And then I was like, listen, here's what I'm doing, and then I eventually found a, a therapist through some trial and error. Uh, I found some meds that work. I, I did a couple of uh, talks about mental health. I, the one I did was at um, uh, Gurkhan one year. That was my first public admission uh, as to, you know, what I was had anxiety. And how, how, how was that received by the audience? 
Uh, amazingly well. Amazingly well. Um, this is, and you know, you either mentioned it at top of show or, or before we started recording, of no other talk that I ever do will have the kind of reception that things like that do. Oh, and also huge. And, and I'm sorry, I was wrong. The first one I ever did was at Circle City Con, which mm. I'm also on staff at. Because um, I, I love them. I love them, love them, love them so much. Uh, Odd job, Steve Reagan, Alyssa, all, uh, Lynn Tile, all those people. Um, I, I did that talk. And you know how sometimes after you do it, maybe some people listening, and they've done a talk, so, but, they, but, but they've seen this, of people will, will the, the, the speaker will get down and we'll have people around them or like lined up to ask them some follow-up yep. questions or whatever. I, I had done talks before. I'd had a few. I had to shush people out yep. to get the other speaker up because they, even if they just wanted to say thank you for saying that, or because some people aren't comfortable some, or they can't, right. They're in a, they're, they're, they're in the government sector maybe where that's not looked upon as, as a good thing still, uh, or for whatever myriad of reasons they can't. So let me do it because I don't care enough about what happens. I don't care about the ramifications. If there are any, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to give pointers on it. So yes, received incredibly well. I can't wait to do the next one. Yeah. And you, you've called it the never ending hack, which I, yes, think, that's the one. Yeah. I my own talks. <laughs> it's going to know what your own talks are. Um, uh, but it's also funny you, you, you name dropped just about everybody else that's that's either going to be uh, coming up on the show in the, in the very uh, very so both are going to have Alyssa on and everybody else. But it's you know it's it is funny you know and I think there also is a responsibility for some of us that that have quite frankly the ability not to have the ramifications as you saw from the Splunk video. You know we just had the the, the employee resource cool. group neurodiversity and I was just like yeah look you know this this is who I am this is who I struggled with and. We, we have to kind of lead by that example because there are, I didn't realize until the same thing this past year when I gave the talk at a uh, wild West hacking fest that, you know, people were just say, same thing. Like the, the discord, my discord blew up. My, my, my LinkedIn blew up my email. Everybody's saying, I just, you talking about it was helpful because I don't feel alone anymore. And I felt that was just like such a thing of why I'm doing this as a series, like, hey, I got, a, I got my own podcast, I can do whatever the hell I want, but use it as yeah. a platform and talk about it. Yeah, and the thing about this is that it's evergreen, right? And and it is always different. Everybody's outlook is different. What they learn is different. How they cope is different. What what happened to them is different for literally everybody. One of the, uh, I, was, I was listening to um, um, Howard Stern one day, and he had on Jonah Hill. Uh, Jonah Hill, of course, of uh, of, uh, of uh, Wolf of Wall Street fame and, and things like that. And and Howard asked him, uh, you know, being a big star and worth millions of dollars and that thing, what luxury do you have that you wish everybody could have? And he was like a therapist. He did not even he, – he didn't even head. He didn't say a Maserati. He didn't say oh. big houses or whatever. He didn't say personal maids or whatever. He said, I uh, th- uh, even if you don't think you need one, you need one yeah. because it's, it, it is the catharsis of speaking. And then some people might say, well, I have very close friends and I have people I can talk to. Yes. But then again, we all have those very deeply personal things that those people are too close to you. Cause those people care about, not to say the therapists don't care. Yeah. They, they absolutely do. But these people have a vested long-term interest in you and they will say the things that they think are going to, they're not going to say the things to get you better they're going to say the things to make you feel 
like you're like you're better. Yeah, you and end up you, you end up with basically conclusion shopping, and yeah. you know you look for people that build your echo chamber. In that, what I, it's such a such an important in a very part. sweet way. Yeah, and, and that's what I think. I don't think people realize that. It's like, well, I talked to my friend. I I 100 encourage you to talk to your friends about what's mm-hmm. going on, and like because that's you get to out of your head. I mean, you sound like me in many ways. Is I will live in my head for a full day and come up with the worst outcomes of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's it's not healthy. So I obviously help. And I, I'm a talker. Everything I do, I, I find it's very, again, that catharsis. But to have somebody that is a disinterested third party go, you're full of shit. Like to pull you out of your own BS mm-hmm. is so critically important. We, we all underestimate. Now, I am very, very hyper aware of this, but I think a lot of us underestimate our 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 skill and adeptness at talking ourselves into things and convincing ourselves of our of of what we see as this is the reason for this and this is the reason for this just this morning i always wrestle with with one very certain thing of uh like a bunch of years ago before my son was born 2013 i dropped a bunch of weight i i i was down to the lowest i've ever been to and not for nothing i go and look at those pictures now i couldn't see it then i looked amazing and, yeah. and i did it, and i did it through exercise and and food and then i and then i lost my job i got laid off and it came all right back and i beat myself up about that every single day and every attempt to get back to it i say i don't deserve that because i screwed it up so why should i try it again and at the end of that book that I mentioned, which incidentally I have on Audible, and I literally just bought it on Kindle, so I have something to highlight. Um, it is called, like, like I mentioned, "Own the Day, um, Own the Day, Own Your Life" by 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 um, um, Aubrey Marcus. And at the very end, he said something today. I was taking a walk, my walk this morning, and he was like, "If you don't give yourself permission to forgive yourself, and you don't give yourself permission to say it's cool." try it again. You're going to keep reliving those things. There's an episode. It's a very good episode of uh, a show called the West wing. Um, And uh, one of the characters had a very traumatic experience and long story short, his coworkers put him in front of a therapist and they say, listen, it's not just that you're remembering the trauma. You are reliving it Mm -hmm. every single time you do this to yourself. It's one thing to, to remember something it's one thing to go through it again. It's it's a form of PTSD and it doesn't get you anywhere. So once you realize, and but you can't see those kinds of things unless you have a professional. That's why people get popped in their computers and they come to talk to professionals to fix it. You don't talk to your grandmother about it. You don't talk to your best friend who's been, you know, maybe his profession is a mechanic for 30 years. He's the best mechanic in the world. Knows jack about firewalls like why would you go talk to that person about it they're just going to make you feel bad like it wasn't like it wasn't your fault yeah. so that objective third party is is clutch now there's a whole host of things about how to find them and how to gauge if they're right for you not all of them are you know it's got to be personality match but that could be a whole nother show in itself yeah i mean what i think people don't understand trauma enough and it's something I, I just try to really try to understand because you think of it from people that have had very severe in, in these acute moments um, and you think about people that are um, in war zones and battlefields but you don't realize you know for me the PTSD moment was a car accident and it because it, it, yeah. it changed your life and even at the time it was I, I was able to get out of the car I was fine but it ended up with a severe back injury that I didn't feel for, you know, a day or so later and a herniated disc and it sidelined me. And, um, I, it really set me back because I just, all I did was replay in my moment of 
gosh, it was just, uh, you know, we, we took a right turn instead of left turn and just keep going through this of like, why, what did I, what did I do to do, to, to, to do this myself? And really realized that, you know, as I got into therapy about it and all these things, it was just like, dude, there's just things you, you don't have control over, Doug. Like you got to let that stuff go. Stop fusing with this idea of how you're going to reconstruct it and, um, you know, in the, in the form, the modality of therapy that I got into that works for me. And again, like you said, it's, you had to find the things that work for you, um, was acceptance and commitment therapy, which was part of a, a growing part of, uh, kind of behavioral therapy was, you know, this idea of like, you know, fusing with these ideas and these emotions. And, and this is actually called the happiness trap. It's like, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be satisfied. Doug. That is not part of your DNA. Like you're going to constantly want to tinker with things. You're a hacker. Like that's how your mind's like, now I can, let me tweak this one more time. So until you just accept the inevitable that things are never going to be perfect and that shit happens and you know, to, to move past it, like you said, recognize it. It's, it's been the hardest thing for me to do, but to really, again, having a therapist that would just be like, no, like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit there Doug, and let you cry on your own shoulder about this. I'm not, I'm, I feel empathetic to you, but also I'm not going to let you continue that cycle. You know, it's so funny is we're sitting here talking about that. I'm sitting here listening to you and, uh, and uh, I've looked on Amazon real quick and that same, that same book that I just mentioned, he has a follow-up do in april literally call it called it master your mind um 12 steps to master anger trauma and fear yeah like that's just coincidence yeah. on another level uh but yeah it is our brains are are just like we don't under we don't understand them because our understanding comes from our brain like it's it's just this weird like just weird thing of trying to understand what triggers things and like it's not it 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 goes so much deeper to try to root these things out and some of it never goes away you have to learn coping you have to learn uh like all right when you know when this happens then do this if not try this it's just like any programming code right like if that else um but it is uh you know a whole nother thing speaking about like I never knew that this was possible. Sometime, at least twice during the pandemic, from March to, to, to now, I remember sitting at a stoplight. Uh, I, was, I went to the store and I got some groceries, and I, for, I forgot the song that was on or something. But I was looking. I, I don't know what, if it was the hospital that I looked at that was right next to me, but I from that light to my house was ten minutes, and I cried every single way. Nothing, nothing was going on that day. Like nothing had happened to me that day. Yeah. It was actually a pretty good day. I remember it being very nice out. The sun was setting. I had had a good day with my son and my wife, and but I cried for 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 literally the whole ten minutes home. And then about about a month or so later, again, I woke up in the morning, and just I was I told my wife I need to be upstairs for a couple of hours because something is something somewhere in the back here in like the the bowels of my brain it's like the it's like the uh, library scene in ghostbusters right like old dusty books or whatever and now there's a demon in it and i'm just i'm absolutely crying and i can't stop i can't i cannot physically stop and that's new like yeah. i didn't know it could do that you know just like and, and you hack anything and you're like i didn't know it was going to do that um so yeah that it matters and it sneaks and it can fester and it could sit like people might get these things. It is very much every bit as my understanding of PTSD. It's, it's every bit of that. Yeah. Cause you, it, you don't know it's, it's, it's post trauma. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> like this shit could come back, 
you know, in five years, we could have the vaccine and we could have a 90% vaccination rate, hopefully, and then it doesn't come back and everything is better in the, in the lands, political landscape. And all of a sudden, you're going to see one thing that you may have done or seen or heard, and you're, and you're going to crumble. It's not your fault. It's your brain. It's your emotions. It's your stress. It's all, it's, it's chemical. Yeah. People I've... beat, people beat themselves up like it's a failing of their human condition when in fact it is the chemicals you were manufactured with that you have no control over. Yeah. It's giving your, yourself the breathing room to let your emotions do what they have to do. Don't necessarily fight them, but also don't double down. It's a weird thing that I, I get, you know, you and I are probably both very, like I said, very, very much in that same position of where we have to go into situations with clients, customers, whoever else on stage speaking of given error of or or of authority. And we know what the hell's going on at all times. And it's that weird disarming moment of just letting go. So I don't, I just need to let this, and I, it, it's funny you mentioned the, the whole crying thing. I had something happen to me very recently. I was listening to, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss, who is, I'm kind of a cover band in, in many ways of what he's done, but he was talking about some early childhood trauma that while I was listening to it, there was just the pattern I can hear in his voice. And I, to this day, I haven't really unpacked it, but I was same thing. I was shaking and crying. I was like, oh my God, I'm listening to his story. And I couldn't listen to the rest of that podcast because I was, it triggered something to me. I'm like, and I don't even know what it was. And I still stay. I don't. I even asked for therapy. He's like, it may or may not be something worth exploring. He goes, actually, for your personnel, you're going to try to fix it. So he goes, it might not be good for you to go down that path because you're thinking, oh, once you fix that, that's the key. That's like, you know, you're going to fix everything in your life. And he's like, that doesn't work that way. So he, he steered me away from that in, in a good way. Um, but in, in other ways too, just emotions just overwhelm and it's been a tough year. And I was, I, you know, this past Monday we had off for MLK and I went snowboarding. I got to the top of one of this mountain and I, I just choked up. It was the most beautiful scene. And I just thought to myself, God, I'm so lucky. And I, I remember thinking I was never going to be at times in my life. And even particularly three years ago when I was in some pretty dark, depressive moments that I will never be here again. And just to have that moment, it, it, it was scary, but it was also felt good. It was just this mix of things I didn't understand, and I gave myself room for it, and it was okay. Yeah. I mean, we spent so many years on autopilot. We spent so many years on this is the way these things are, um, and like, ah, you know, damn the torpedoes and smooth over the cracks and and just put another layer of varnish over it and everything will be okay. And then all of a sudden you run out of supplies and you run out of upkeep. And now you start to see all, I go right back to that whole stack analogy of that, that awful cracked and rotted foundation. And now all of a sudden you see that veil lifted and you're like, it's, it, it's like every horror movie, right? That they walk into a, like this old mansion and, and the ghosts make them seem like it's an awesome place and it's brand new. And all of a sudden the spell lifts and it's nothing but a broken down scary house. And you're about to fall into a pit of snakes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very much like that brains and things like that are, they, they need a lot of care. And, uh, you know, I, we, we, we say all this knowing full well that some people can't afford that and some people don't have the insurance for it. And, and some people, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite therapists, like she didn't actually take my insurance and I, and I, and I'm, I paid her full price. I have a very good job. I have, I have been by all measure of, of success, a, a success at what I do. And yet I'm still paying full price for it, which I'm okay with, but I don't imagine how anybody else could be like that. So that's something that definitely needs to be addressed. Um, that, yeah. that, you know, um, and, and then those people, you know, they, they have to just talk all they, maybe all they have is their friends and things like that. So, 
Um, but you need it. And no matter how much you think you don't need it, you need it, especially after this year. None, unless you were alive in 1918 when the Spanish flu came around, my house was like 100 years old by then. Um, unless you went through that, we all, we're all going through something new together, you know? Yeah. And do you, you know, one of the things that, you know, as we talk about, particularly with our industry, as, as a cat steps on your face and shoulder, um, is like having a parrot, but not as cool, not as cool. Um, is, you know, do you find it worse in cybersecurity or, or is there a perception of it being that, you know, somehow as an industry we're broken in that, you know, when we talk about neurodiversity is that, Oh, everybody's on the spectrum. Everybody's this broken band of misfits. I don't see that's, that's one of the, probably the most common question that, that I've been asked. And I, I it's, it's also the well, source. I, I of, did my homework. That's why I threw your <laughs> softball. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's only, it's also the only point that I have been criticized over for when I created my um, info sanity thing, somebody posted a message to me. It, it was a friend, you know, in, in DM saying, I think this is irresponsible. I think you doing this, is subtly saying that we have this higher preponderance of this or that we're snowflakes or whatever. And it's not like that at all. There was, and that was literally one person had said that and which I, I know is just completely like, whatever, that's your own trip. Um, however, we are in a highly creative field and uh, uh, forget the whole field for a second, hackers in general, uh, people who by nature want to take things apart uh, figure out how they work, make them work differently. People who have a distrust of authority uh, or people who just want to do things differently and they think differently and they don't accept things at face value. I, I think, again, my, from just from my own very, I am not a doctor. I am not a doctor. I'm not a researcher and anything like that. I think that that naturally lends to, yes, neuro, I, I love the term neurodiverse. Um, and which, I, which I don't by the know. way, let me just a sidebar there. I didn't even really hear the term until this past year, very recently. Yeah, so I like it because it is it is the correct way pe for what people were saying broken, right? What people were saying not normal. What people were 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 labeling as off or. Uh, whatever, whatever euphemism that they wanted to use for it. So I think in order to do the things that we do, it innately, right? Like uh, most of us, this is just us. I, I had I've made the comment a hundred times of saying that it's very difficult to be in a field doing something that is f like physiologically a part of you, because when you have a when you have a success, it's great. When you have a failure, you take it ten, ten times as hard. Because you think of it not only as a failing of your occupation, you think of it as a failing as a human, right? And that that is that is much much harder to deal with. Um, so yeah, I, I I think just by the very nature of being a hacker and being in a technical field, I think that we're going to see more than perhaps you know if you studied a field of a hundred thousand um, sanitation workers. Uh, if you studied a field of a hundred, but we're also not unique. Go into san go into sanitation worker, and I'm sure that they have their own uh, level of what we deal with. Go into any other field, we are we are certainly not unique in that. But do we have a a higher ratio? I don't know. Probably. I mean, I, I, again, I've I've talked to people like 
like Jack Daniel, li- like Amanda, who have talked to actual professionals and doctors yeah. and PhDs and things. And it's entirely possible just by the very nature of of what we do. Like, I think you kind of have, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion. Yeah, but there's this weird, you know, I think what, what I look at is really is the hacker mindset is skepticism. You know, it's trust right. but verify. And that wanting to just scratch a little bit deeper, um, it, that, that, yeah, it's it's seen as something almost kind of, well, why don't you just go along with it? It's like, why, why should I? Um, you know, it, it, but it also then it creates, this, you know, kind of its own vicious cycles of self-doubt and then questioning things. That, <laughs> you know, right. self-skepticism has its own dangers. Uh, and, but, and, you know, and I think on that same note yeah. of we've seen what lies beneath when when we see something that we want to dig into like we've seen ugly things we've seen what lies beneath that shiny veneer so when you start telling a hacker hey you should go see a therapist and really dig into that why would we want to do that like we've seen what happens when we dig why are we going to dig inside of ourselves who the hell wants to really know that like cthulhu is down there you know so i think that's where no small part of that fear comes in from people trying to to get to the bottom of their own personal issues We've seen what happens when we dig. So why dig into ourselves? Yeah, I think we all know our, our own code sucks, and so does our own brain. Uh, <laughs> it's all spaghetti code. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's literally all spaghetti code, and why should we have evidence? <laughs> but you know, part of it, too, though, is that there is a stigma within the field, too, of this, this kind of nerdiness, this, this saying of this this outliers, which I think we, we embrace and wave the flags for. There's almost been... Um, what I've seen in a good way too is is with some of this, and as we champion things like neurodiversity, particularly in cyber, and this kind of that we we are personalities. There's a creative part, but it, it at times I find, um, you know, when the rest of the world embraces us, it's hard not to get angry about it. You know, the past couple of years, cyber's been a I mean, just even the last couple of months, it's all it's been talked about, and. Um, you know, and part of me has this weird thing when I look at how Disney Plus has things now, where it is a a just this monolith of an entertainment that has everything I grew up with: Star Wars, <laughs> uh, Disney, you know, uh, the Marvel Universe, sports, and all the stuff that's kind of gone into this. Where people are now embracing the things that I got my ass kicked for in high school for being nerdy and passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Um... I have, I have, un, uh, you know, I, I was a very late bloomer, man. I, I didn't really start getting into any of this until I was 30 years old. Um, and now I embrace the whole thing, dude. Legos, Pokemon, and card games, computer games. Like, I, w- I am just a late bloomer nerd. I didn't do any of this when I was, you know, up until 21, 25, 30. And I got into this field and I was like, oh, this is what I was missing. I don't know. I never, I, I, I don't know what I thought I was doing. I, I mean, I was always relatively happy and I was just going through life and that's fine. And I was like, oh, this happened by accident. This is where I was supposed to be the whole time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Who cares? I'm here now. Like I'm here now and, and I'm happy and I'm, and I'm among people that are the same as me. Uh, and if, if not the same, at least understand these things. Um, so yeah, this is this is nice. But uh, on that same note, you know, we're all very uh, the the whole level of being um, um, introspective about things. I think that the level of empathy is much much higher with us. I think the the level of you said the whole thing like trust but verify, and when you know things about yourself and how you function, and you hear those keywords coming from other people about what their experiences are, you instantly feel that kind of kindred spirit. And if not a trust, there's a, 
there's at least a connection understanding there. yeah so yeah that's why you can go to literally like any conference um that has a bunch of hackers in it and you could sit down in a group of people and be among friends yeah because just, and almost instantly I, I don't think people appreciate that instantly. like if you go yeah if you go to to the, the concert and people like people just want it's it's a weird kindred that i've never been able to explain yeah uh and I don't really care to explain it. No, don't do I, 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 I don't want it. <laughs> I, I like that it's here. I like that it's here. I don't ever want it to go away. But I also think that it is strong enough um, that it's not going to be destroyed by a year of being apart. Uh, I think we have found as, as good a way as we can think to cope. And I think that it, while it may be a bit awkward for about five seconds when we all get to be together face to face, I don't think it's going to take that long to get back to old tricks, which is why I am confident to my core this is just a blip We're we're all going to find each other again. Um, and, you know, maybe it's not like that for every, for every community and for, for every industry, but it's like that for us. And I'm thankful for it. Well, yeah. And, and I would think part of it is driven, you know, two more disc as much as I joke is like, the last thing I need is another discord or Slack channel. Um, but I, I'm starting to connect with people that have always been a degree or so like you and I, like we, we've, probably been in the same room at conferences a dozen times or stuff but you know it wasn't until we got involved with the stuff at you know the defcon blue team village that you know you run into people and i'm building more connections now that's actually making me look forward to getting back out and meeting people because i'm like oh it's like it there's a new level of excitement in that kind of uh you know uh having things held back from you in a way <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um yeah, you know, uh, yeah. It's just I'm, I am I am entirely confident. Um, even if some days I'm just crying at random things, I'm yeah. still crying. I'm still crying confidently. But um, you know, are now one of the things though is, do you feel there are things that are necessarily self-destructive when we come to the mental health and neurodiversity things as a community that we we could fix or or maybe uh, approach differently? You know, whether it's language or just the way that we we deal with it. Um. Yes, because I think that because of this, a lot of things have bubbled up of now when we're all forced to be online, when we're all forced to be on that, this is our only way to handle this is social media. We are now recognizing, like I said, we see the cracks, just like we've seen, we've seen the cracks in the political system. Finally, I mean, they've always been there. We've known they're there, but now we can see them in in gross high def i think that there are things that people are now not you're not going to take this shit from anybody anymore you are not going to take uh people being um uh um uh uh what's the words that i want to say people being rude to other people for you know how they choose to to dress now just because we're all neurodiverse and just because we're all like these bunch of hackers uh, cowboys and, and and cow people or whatever doesn't mean we don't still have you know assholes doesn't mean we don't still have people who have you know extreme right wing you know ideology extreme left wing i i've uh, 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 thoughts to come to that judging other people it happens we've always had these things yeah. but they all hid behind oh it's just hackers and it's not you you, you don't get to hide behind us for your for your stupid behavior and i think hopefully we've seen more of that now and we're also all fed up we are so fed up of not seeing our friends that we are not going to suffer fools that are still going to try to pull this face to face again so i think at least 
uh, that that will have changed. This will have changed things for the better. Um, I, I know that there's definitely been more um, emphasis on things like accept, like accepting people's, uh, you know, uh, 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 genders and pronouns and uh, and and the whole again the whole neurodiversity thing of like being a core component of what makes us good and what makes us awesome. So we're not gonna let you do this anymore. The 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 thing is is that free speech means you can't be prosecuted for what you believe. That doesn't mean we don't get to kick you out of a conference yeah. for being a jerk. Yeah, there like, are still consequences. <laughs> there are consequences to your actions. This just that your your constitutional right says you can't be imprisoned because you're an asshole. You can certainly not be allowed on my podcast. You can certainly not be allowed in my conference. So I think we now uh, people that have always that have recognized it have always recognized it. People that are just now finding out uh, will hopefully be. Um, changing how they view these things and not giving it so much leeway now because we've been apart too long and we know that that time is precious and we know that this kind of thing could happen again instantly um, like we don't know what's down the pike we don't know what's brewing out there so I I would hope I know any conference that I'm a part of that's that will that will unequivocally be the case I and 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 the other ones that I'm on staff on, like I said, I'm I'm a sock going to DefCon. I know before all this how seriously they took this stuff. It's going to be exponentially more now. So yes, I think that that's going to be a silver lining of we spend so much time reading what people have to say online. Um, now we're going to make sure that it doesn't leak in, or at least less than it did before yeah like, there, there was toxicity you know, in our culture and i think yeah. i think there's been some good things about this because i think as people say you know kind of roll their eyes and say everybody's too sensitive these days it's like now everybody's felt this we're just calling you out for being an asshole now we're not taking it anymore and i i think that's a healthy change right because now the important thing isn't the event the important thing is the people coming to the event yep right like not like it wasn't before but you know ho hopefully now it's we realize how precious this thing is so either get with the program or you're not welcome. Right. Exactly. Like that's uh, so I, I, I hope that comes from being fed up. Yeah. We're fed up of this thing. We're fed up from being apart. We're fed up from all of this stuff. And we just don't have, like, we have to save our mental processing power for uh, the PTSD breakdowns coming next year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for you. Like I need to save the threads. I only have so many threads in my processor. Yeah. Well, um, I definitely hope we all learn from this and do not take our culture for granted any further. So, you know, obviously where, where can people find you on your social media drug of choice or other places online? Oh my God. I am the, 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 the one thing that's never stopped and has only gotten exponentially worse is uh, a me using the word exponentially. Um, go back and listen to this and just count how many times I've used it. Exponentially. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, Twitter, hands down. Um, that is how I communicate with the world, how I enter the world, apparently. Um, so it's twitter.com slash Dakaki, which is D-A-K-A-C-K-I. Even though it's not how you pronounce my last name, but that's how you'll remember it. Um, and aside from that is I have my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash uh, uh, 2OC stream. And um, everything I do on Twitch goes up for long-term storage up on YouTube. Um, so if you'd like interviews, if you like instructional things, if you have a whole playlist called Special Weirdness, go find out what that is. Um, it's YouTube.com slash Second Order Chaos, all spelled out. 
Awesome. I'll be sure to put all that in the show notes. And Nate, thank you so much for taking time on a Saturday to talk to me about Anytime. this. Anytime. For you, anything. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll probably end up talking again sometime soon. I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cybersecurity Interviews. I hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Please go to cybersecurityinterviews.com where you can find every episode, including show notes and links for each guest. There you can also find social media links and to sign up for new episode notifications. Thanks. We'll talk soon.